I mean, I guess I've never really spoken about it, but I, uh... Reese Whitley, sixth fastest time in the country this year. <laughs> I didn't get to create my own narrative. I mean, you're always misunderstood. I don't know. People might think I'm crazy for thinking that way. Um, you know, people may not get it. Again, like I started out as a seven-year-old that just wanted to get into a sport because he failed at it. That's all it was. This episode was recorded in December 2022. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Denting. My name is Fernando Andrade, and today I have a very special guest here with me. Reese, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, happy, happy to come by. No, thanks for, for coming on. It's kind of crazy because it's one of my last episodes that I'm recording this year. And okay. you're one of the first episodes I'm recording this year. So a little full circle 2022 moment. Nice. Um, for those that may not know you, would you like to reintroduce yourself? Yeah, of course. Um, my name is Reese Whitley uh, from right outside of Philadelphia, a town called Lafayette Hill. Uh, current fifth year uh, on the men's swim team. And, uh, yeah, just trying to help uh, my team out right now. So that's, that's uh, probably all that there is to me right now. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, what's the situation with the fifth year in terms of studying? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I graduated from our, uh, our house school of business uh, over the summer. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, amazing, amazing feat. I definitely don't want to take that for granted. Um, you know, yeah, I committed to this school, this university when I was, you know, 17-year-old kid. Didn't really know where I wanted I knew what direction uh, I wanted to be in life, uh, but to actually kind of see it, um, I guess, relatively come together in what you would expect out of four years uh, at an institution. It, you know, I, by all means, am very lucky uh, to have uh, earned an opportunity here and to actually live through it um, and, and graduate was great. Um, but now uh, there are professional certificates offered through our extension program at Berkeley. And so a lot of fifth years uh, who are kind of looking for uh, a one year, you know, semester by semester uh, opportunity to stay sharp, but also stay eligible. Um, it's great. Um, you know, it's a little different than Haas. So I was able to do a bit more traveling uh, this fall uh, than I than I have in the past. And so trying to um, not only stay sharp on that end, but put a little bit more emphasis on performance in the fall was really nice. So. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I saw I saw you were traveling all over the place with the World Cup, which is great. And we'll talk about that later. But let's take it back to the very beginning, which is something we talked about last episode. Yeah. Very different topic. This one is about you. Mm -hmm. um, so lots of research, lots of interviews for you, especially since you were younger. And mm -hmm. I came across that you started swimming um, back when you were seven years old because you yeah. failed a test, mm -hmm. uh, a swimming test mm -hmm. back in the day. So take me through how you got into the sport. Certainly. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I attended the Penn Charter School. Um, again, amazing, amazing environment just to call home um, at an early age and just, just grow up in. Um, but, you know, I was very athletic as a kid. Uh, not very, I wasn't very athletic. Let me rephrase. I, I liked to be outside. I liked to be active. Uh, I was not like an athletic kid uh, <laughs> in the in terms of how I was born. I was born big, but that doesn't mean you're necessarily athletically gifted. Um, but fell into uh, baseball, basketball, and swimming pretty fast. Um, you know, and with the swimming, you know, basketball and baseball was a little bit more like purposeful in terms of me like 
getting into the sport, finding a team, wanting to do it. Um, but with swimming, again, I was just a summer camper like everybody else. Um, and I failed a deep water test, not only once, but like multiple times, like three or four times uh, when I was seven. And I, um, you know, I was a stubborn one. Uh, so I just didn't like to be told that I couldn't do something. Um, and instead of like complaining about it, I tried to figure out, okay, how am I going to, it was just simply to pass a test. Uh, so I could, um, you know, be around my friends. That's all it was. Um, and so I got lessons, uh, that summer. And then by the end of the summer, I probably, I, I think I passed the test. Um, and then lessons carried into, uh, you know, the winter and, I actually started to do relatively well, like for a seven-year-old who had just hopped into the sport. And so by the next summer, I was competing um, competitively, just kind of a summer club. And by age uh, eight or nine is when I kind of got into uh, year-round swimming and swimming in the winter and summer and all seasons of the year. Swimming doesn't really stop. Um, and, you know, from that point on, I've been uh, lucky enough to have access to really great coaching. Um, and great parenting. Um, and you know, it's, uh, it's been a long, uh, I guess, you know, 15 years, something like that since, uh, coming up on 15 years, I guess, um, in an amazing sport that's taught me a lot. So, yeah, it's, it's almost like we all want what we can't have. And yeah. I feel like that showed, it showed you the great that we now can see very clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned that you wanted to be with your friends and at least I was in summer camp, but did that play an influence in having to decide on a sport? Because you mentioned playing two other sports before that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I had a, a great base of friends in all the sports that I played. Uh, you know, my basketball friends, again, I, I still have people that I'm in contact with today that I grew up playing basketball with, um, you know, baseball, not as much. Um, but, you know, personally, I loved I loved the teams that I had an opportunity to play on. It's, you know, some of my early introductions just to being a part of an organization and helping um, helping a group achieve something with, you know, within my personal capabilities. Um, but in swimming, um, you know, there's so much self-accountability uh, that you can learn. Um, you know, what you uh, put in is what you get out, quite simply. Um, you know, and no matter how hard you work, it may not even, you, you may not even see it come to true light for years to come. Uh, and so something about that, it's not necessarily glamorous, but I loved that I could see my progression in real time. Like, you know, with a lot of the team sports and our, which are great, um, you know, um, you know, a win or a loss, there's a lot of variables in that. But, you know, more often than not, you know, they might not even relate to you. Like you can have a part of it, but there are always other people like around and that can help you dictate that. And when you work towards that together, it can be really fun. But, you know, at a young age, I was like, look, you know, something about me just being able to see time drops, like personal time drops and me working through practice to make something work and then see it. I was like, wow, I could, um. You know, I just like this aspect of it, and I was lucky enough to perform at a relatively high level compared to, you know, the era that I was born into. You know, that's I, that's another part of swimming that's really cool is that a lot of success is determined by who else chooses to swim. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, um, I guess versus the other 
12, 13, 14 year olds that I, I came up with, I did relatively fine and um, earned an opportunity to be here. Um, and so there's, there's not much else to it. I think, you know, that's kind of what it's been. Yeah. I feel like, especially with how quantitative the sport is, Mm -hmm. it must become almost addicting, especially at those ages where it's like, I mean, at least now it's not you hop in the pool any, any given time and you personal best, Mm -hmm. but back at those ages, I feel like since with the constant growth, there's always PRs. Is that how it works? Yeah. Yeah. When you're a kid, you can pretty much drop the best time, you know, after a couple months of work, uh, it's definitely not the case. Or it's definitely harder to do that as, yeah. <laughs> as an older, more experienced athlete, and especially as the times come down quite a fair bit. Um, but I think there's so much rush in competition, and I love I love to compete. I love being in exciting atmospheres where you know, nobody knows what's going to happen, not even the athletes behind the blocks, but rest assured, the one that's you know, probably the toughest mentally has a pretty good shot of like doing well. And so I tried to, um, you know, just lock into my process and listen to my coaches. And, um, again, it wasn't easy, um, kind of moving through that. And over time, as you do well, uh, people's expectations kind of get lopped, um, like every part of life and like everybody. Um, but I think, as long as you keep it focused on yourself, I think it's always like really rewarding um, just by learning through process and not necessarily having it be about like wins or losses, but more about uh, honing in on a craft yeah. uh, more than anything else. So, Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And it's something I've thought about a lot, especially now that I'm like a fan of these sports. Like I've always been obsessed with the quantitative sports like mm-hmm. like you guys like uh especially running mm-hmm. um i did yeah track like i did i did long distance track once in high school mm-hmm. just for it, it was stupid story and besides the point <laughs> but i just did it to get a letterman jacket as a freshman yeah. um and but but that experience taught me so much uh-huh. um because of how individualistic it was and i mean yes you want your team to win but it's an individual race whereas in soccer the rest of my life like you said there's so many variables in a win and a loss and it just changed my perspective and that's nice that you somewhat got the experience of of both of them but it's definitely something i would recommend you're like me thinking of like i mean many years in the future but like for my kids it's like it'd probably be good to give them the experience of having both sports like individual sports and a collective sport certainly because there are there are pros and cons to both um and it depends on what you just fall in love with do you want the process to just be very personal like do you want a personal project to work on or is it something a little bigger and then you know in swimming and in track if you can do well enough with these individual sports tennis i think uh, is another one of those sports or golf um you know, in, in swimming and in track, there is a rare opportunity to be a part of something at the NCAA level that is so much bigger than yourself. So it doesn't really become, it, it turns, it, it turns, yeah. uh, you know, I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, it's not necessarily as individual um, of a sport uh, at the NCAA level. It becomes very focused on the group, at least at our program. I don't, I, I can't speak for other programs, but at least at Cal, we've done relatively well by investing in one another. Um, and so I've, I've, um, 
I've only seen positives from that. And so I've, I've fallen in love with that uh, component of our sport. And, um, you know, that's something I've only been introduced to, you know, for, I guess, four, five, I'm going my fifth year, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've, I've loved it. And it's something that I've, you know, now experienced, you know, since freshman year. So very lucky. Investing in one another. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you mean by that? Or give me an example of what that is. Just always looking out, um, you know, you know, our program, we only have, uh, I guess we have four coaches now and there are, uh, 38 guys, uh, and we're combined now. So now, you know, combined programs. So there can up be up to like 75 athletes in the water at once. Um, and you know, that's, you can do whatever ratios, right. But you're, you can, you rest assured eyes can't be on you all the time. <laughs> and so, uh, you just try to help your guys out, you know, if, you got to realize that everybody in the pool is really good at what they do. Um, some somebody is doing something better than you, uh, so there's always something to learn from um, somebody else, and there's always something that you can provide that somebody else may not be thinking about. And so, um, you know, a lot of our a lot of our group, uh, you know, has really bought into just like peer review, um, and you know, asking a guy, oh hey can you like help me look at this video? Can you help me walk through the swim? Or what are you thinking about during this swim? Um, and when you have guys, you know, that, you know, quite frankly, are really good. Um, you know, you have guys that are Olympians have medaled at the Olympics. You have guys that are chasing that. Then you have guys that are chasing, you know, making a Pac-12 team, making an NCAA team. Um, you know, you have so many different levels, all very good, but, you know, that's exactly why you love to be there um, is because you can learn from these top guys um, and you can have conversations with anybody on the team and just pass that learning around as much as you can. Um, I think it makes it a lot easier on the coaches um, if the team can kind of have trust in one another um, and want to see positive outcomes for one another because it makes their job a whole lot easier. They don't have to yeah. watch, you know, 25 people. 50 people, 75 people uh, at a time, you know, because they know that they're taking care of each other. Yeah, and it, it's weird. I've I've been playing while you were saying this, playing with this idea in my head of, well, they're a team, but they're not a team, but like as, as of performance, but they're not a team, but points-wise they are. And it's interesting that, like to, to put it this way, many people, when they look at Cal as a university, right, mm-hmm. it's like, wow, what an incredible place. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking about this with my roommates recently. Um, I think of college as a country club, for example, because not everybody, there's some people that didn't get, yeah, Yeah. some people that didn't get into Cal should have gotten into Cal and just as a student and they just didn't for some reason. Um, but I think everybody here, what they have in common isn't that they're going to be excellent at whatever they do, but they have that pursuit within them Mm -hmm. to put that more specifically with your team. Mm -hmm. It's like a country club in a way of some people wanting to make that Pac-12 team or the NCAA team or an Olympic pursuit or whatever. And you guys are just like learning off each other, Mm -hmm. maybe for a team result, but mostly because you're you're individually just trying to get better. And that that makes you a team. It's like, it's a group of guys Mm -hmm. that are really good that are trying to get better. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes you a team. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, no, it's, um, and it's so easy to buy into. Um, I was fortunate enough to, come in on a really good team they did the team did not need me whatsoever uh to win a title 
Um, it was an honor to help, you know, go score in two A finals as a freshman at the end of the year. It was a hostile environment down there in Austin, um, which, you know, is our is one of our uh, main main sources of competition out there. And so uh you know, I just I was very lucky to just walk into a team with a lot of studs, uh, a lot of really just well-rounded individuals that just so happened to perform really well in the pool. And so I got to learn a lot from them. But I think, you know, to your point, I, I got that right out of the gate. I mean, it's at the meets, it's outside of the meets, it's in the hotel rooms, like when you have roommates at a meet, like it, it is constant um, when you know what's on the line. And if, again, I was lucky enough to just kind of see it happen and we were able to win freshman year, but year after year, I've tried, um, again, to work through, you know, being a freshman, a sophomore, a junior, a senior. Um, I've tried to have, or spread impact, spread positive impact in the position that a sophomore, junior, senior can't have and is supposed to do. Um, you know, understanding different personality types, assessing um, what kind of team we have, where our strengths, strengths and weaknesses are, um, and learning how to help uplift as many people as you can. Because um, at the end of the year, you want, it doesn't really matter what 18 guys are there. I could get injured, you know, they may not need me. Um, you know, anybody, anybody is kind of not on the chopping block because I don't really think we have an environment that's like that. But, you know, if something does happen, the next guy does need to be ready. Um, so, you know, I think if you can just kind of see that, and I think a lot of the guys understand that, that being in an NCAA final, XYZ, the pressure or whatever, that's, that's a privilege. Um, it's an opportunity. Um, and so if you can wear that on your sleeve and just trust that the other guys um, want to see you do well in that situation makes it easier to uh, just buy in and compete for them, uh, not necessarily compete for yourself as much. Yeah, and I feel like for what you're talking about, it's very easy to even be thinking about that throughout the recruiting process. Like, mm -hmm. you know, oh, Cal, they've won this, they, they've won that, they're on a roll. It's like, well, I'm not going to go there to fuck around, you know, like yeah. it's serious business. And yeah. I feel like, whatever you choose to do you know what what like when business comes you know what you have to do and i feel like that's what's special about your program so to talk about that culture and how you even got into it mm -hmm. let's talk about how you got there yeah. in the first place and how you chose that through your recruiting process i mean i know your your resume from high school is absolutely ridiculous <laughs> what do you mean not i mean it's it's insane i mean it was just again i was i think people have so much to offer outside of just uh, a resume. And so I think it's a product of the environment. Yeah, like I did well. Um, I tried to continue to do well, but I don't, um, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm special uh, for being like a highly recruited athlete out of high school. I think, uh, you know, there are a lot of people that get overlooked uh, that may not have had XYZ kind of under on the on their belt under their belt at the time that have gone on to do sensational things um but yeah i mean you're right it you know it was a definitely uh, interesting uh childhood that i had um, and it was fun and so I, I don't regret any of it <laughs> i mean by no means would i say that anything anyone does in high school yeah. defines them that's not what i'm saying at all yeah. what i meant was 
swimming wise, you had a great resume yeah. that leads to, yeah. I'm sure you had many options is what I'm trying to get mm-hmm. across mm-hmm. Of, of where you want to go. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there's other people that also had great resumes, but but that leads to the opportunities of going to a school like Cal or, or having other options in hand. But you decided to move all the way across the country to Cal. Of course. Like I said, I'm sure you had many options. So mm-hmm. what was your recruiting process like? Yeah, um, it was a great process. Again, I was fortunate enough to be, again, to have done well. Uh, brought, kind of offered a lot um, to, the, to the table in terms of... Uh, Potentially some of the intangibles. I did go to school. I, I took school very seriously. I still do. Um, and, um, you know, that compared with, you know, XYZ times across a number of events, I think I um, had a lot of options because I could help teams out in a lot of different ways. Um, and so um, my recruiting process was pretty smooth, um, which I was very lucky. Um, you know, a lot of great schools. I reached out right on September first, um, but not so many. Not so many people know this, but uh, Cal was actually the last school to reach out to me. Um, so here I was, um, you know, uh, however highly ranked or however people you know make rankings, <laughs> but I was up there, um, and so here I was, and I had a lot of friends on the team uh, at the time. And you kind of know guys because the swimming community is very t- tight knit after a, at a certain level, um, and so you know a lot of the guys in NCAA before you even kind of step foot on campus. And so, um, yeah, I'd heard all these great things. You obviously look look up to guys like Nathan Adrian, Ryan Murphy, like all the guys that you grew up watching at the Olympics. Um, you know what's the common through line? It's like oh, they swim at Cal, um, and I was a fan of them not by what they did in the pool, but just how they carried themselves. Um, you know, in post-race, everything from post-race interviews to what I've heard through conversations, um, and you can't really bank on people's reputations and word of mouth, but throughout the recruiting process, there were just so many things that reemphasize that you can really become a true, like full individual at Cal. Um, and so it was always my top my top kind of choice in the back of my mind, but I did not get any attention for the first like three or four months of the recruiting season. And by that point, a lot of the kids in my class had already committed. Um, and I was, I guess I won't exactly say which school it was, but I was very close uh, to, com- to committing someplace else. And then I got a um, text from a 510 number, uh, which was a, uh, a foreign area code to me at the time. <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, yeah, it was just long text. I was in class, I think. Um, and at the bottom, like it was, you had a little hash mark and it said Dave Durden. And I was just like, Phew. I was like, yeah, like this is sick. <laughs> this is what I've been waiting for. Um, set up a phone call with Dave and I pretty sure, I, I probably could have committed after the first phone call. And felt like I talked to him for 15 minutes. We talked for like two hours. Um, just about everything, all that the school had to offer, uh, what how he felt about uh, me personally and a lot of the guys. Uh, that were already in the program that I was familiar with, just kind of updating me on their process um, and kind of in the scope of the season, how they were going to do. And then, um, yeah, man, it was a really easy decision. Um, yeah, I kind of narrowed my choices down really fast. I didn't really, I didn't take any of my like official visits, which I probably would advise against for most people. I think people should take their time and 
uh, really explore all their options if they think that that's the best move. But I, I, I knew in my gut that this was going to be the right move. And there's not a day that goes by uh, where I think about any other school. Um, you know, I, I feel like I was born to come here and be a part of this program. And so, um, you know, it's a pretty easy decision for me. That's awesome. That's awesome that it worked out that way. And mm-hmm. pretty crazy to think that it could have gone another way um, or that it took that long. Have you ever talked to your coach about why he took that long? Uh, no, <laughs> I, I feel like we, I mean, we have such a good relationship now. We always have uh, Durden and I, so. You know, I'm sure when it's all said and done, I might ask him at the end of NCs. It's like, oh, did I do my job? Um, I hope, I hope um, he'll say yes to a certain extent. Um, you know, everybody has their ebbs and flows, right? I'm no stranger to that, but I think uh, I've I've tried very hard uh, to do right by this program and do right by the uh, people who have invested time in me um, to try to see me do well. And so, um, at the end of the day, whether it's in the classroom whether it's in life, whether it's in the water, I've tried to just, again, um, just make the people who have put their time, effort, and skills into coaching me, into helping me uh, blossom as a person, I I try to pay them back with performance. Um, So, um, yeah, I I hope he thinks I did a solid job. I mean, I'm sure you did. At least that's what the majority of Cal Athletics thinks uh, from what I've heard. But uh, that's that's awesome, and I'm, I'm glad it worked out. Um, the last time uh, that we talked here, yeah. you mentioned how moving across the nation changed everything in terms of finally, like, people don't necessarily know who I am, and you liked it better that way. Yeah. Um, we talked about the media as well, and through the research this time around, I completely understand what, what you were talking about because, I mean, it, did I have an idea? Yes, but I didn't know it was to that extent of what media companies were covering you, how many videos were up there, how many people would ask you for pictures, for autographs, for things like that. And it's it's not something I want to touch specifically on like, oh, this company or this magazine or this newspaper, mm-hmm. but you were portrayed a certain way and or compared to big names or predicted to do certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that shape you into who you are in college today? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, again, like people, everybody does well. Everybody that does well in high school gets compared to somebody. And it's uh, it's tough because uh, I think it takes away from both people. Uh, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. Uh, so I think that whatever people do <clears throat> to get clicks or whatever, you know, I've come to learn that nobody, nobody in media is a friend, um, you know, no matter what they are to you, no matter the narrative that they so choose uh, to develop around you. I've learned that, you know, nobody, nobody really cares about the individual. Um, so you have to do things through, you know, your character, the way you carry yourself through performance that generate your own narrative. And so if you're lucky enough to deliver on a performance perspective, you can, you know, do some things. It's like, all right, you can't really talk to me about that anymore because it's done. Um, but, you know, for better or for worse, it's just like these are things that 
uh, force you to mature at a pretty early age. And so, uh, no, I mean, I have no regrets about any kind of step in my, in my career. Um, I think we're all so different. Um, so, you know, you want to compare person to person. It's just like, it's, uh, there's no real point in doing that because people have different motivations. People have different things that they want to pursue. Um, you know, there could be, you know, some age grouper out there that is, you know, a world-class violinist, um, but also has times that, you know, the rest of the swimming world would see as amazing. And, you know, he has no other options, but it's like, people are really well-rounded. And so I think, um, trying to make comparisons to people is unfair to them. Um, and it's unfair to the people who have gone on to do said things. Um, but I've just tried to stay level, uh, as my career has developed and understand that, um, you know, there's, there's so many ways to define a successful career. And, um, I think if you can kind of keep it simple for yourself, um, then the rest will kind of fall into place. Uh, you know, it won't make things like super big um, or super like, oh my goodness, because people kind of, I've learned again over time that media, people on the street, sometimes even your friends um, can just like blow things up in ways that they, that they really aren't. <laughs> yeah. So as long as you just keep your own reality within perspective and obviously not try to dampen other people's moods, but move through your day in a way it's like, Oh, well, I'm going to keep these things within a certain frame of priority. And I'm going to do things my way. If you've again, have a track record that you're pretty comfortable with and you have a process that, you know, you're able to learn through, I think, you know, the world is the world can be yours. Um, but you just don't you just have to, not get caught up in all that comes uh with this outside noise and so i think if anything i think if that's shaped um anything for me i've learned how to quiet out noise probably more than uh you know my high school self did <laughs> at, at what age did you realize that or at what age did you did you learn that uh, i mean media attention started to come when i was 12 uh there are interviews out there of me, you know, with round glasses. I saw them. <laughs> I saw them. <laughs> as, a, as a youngster. And, you know, there are kids even younger now. Um, you know, I think uh, like Destin Lasco on our team. I mean, there are videos of Destin when he was like a 10-year-old <laughs> that are out there asking pretty, you know, tough questions. The questions that I, you know, couldn't imagine myself asking a 10 year old or a 12 year old. You just have to like realize these things. <laughs> it's also crazy to me. Like, why do you care to cover exactly. media on a 10 year old? Exactly. Like, it's a, it's a, I mean, I guess I've never really spoken about it, but I, uh, I, it can be me. It can be me. I can, I can do that. Um, you know, obviously I hope that, you know, I will obviously invest in my kids and so that i think when you invest in kids in your own kids it's like very natural for you to help them go through life and help them figure things out just like my parents did for me but in terms of somebody else i i just don't get it 
So I'm not going to like speak poorly about it. I'm not going to speak, um, you know, positively about it. Cause I, I just don't know the space in my, in my just understanding and my, the way my brain works. I just don't, I, I just couldn't see myself ever doing that. So I'm sure that, you know, media folks in media and folks that are good at their job and, you know, journalists that are doing, um, that are practicing journalism for themselves and not for just clicks X, Y, Z, um, or to project a narrative on somebody that they don't like or do like, uh, you know, there's, a, you know, truly non-biased work. Um, I think, you know, there are probably great reasons for it and I'm not a journalist, so you're gonna have to ask them. But in terms of my perspective, from an athlete's perspective, I just don't even understand uh, just that side of life. And so uh, I just choose not to really dwell on it. Uh, I just try to focus on what I'm good at. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's an interesting take. It's a very interesting take because of your lived experience, right? I was just talking with a friend literally this past <clears> week. <throat> And it was, um, they had a very different take to someone I also know. I happen to know both people. Mm -hmm. Um, She was talking about two people. I happen to know both. Mm -hmm. And she was giving me her take. And I told her, like, there's this great phrase I like that's um, in a polarized society, having a conversation is an act of rebellion. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) for me, in case you haven't noticed, which I'm sure you have, mm-hmm. I love social media. I think social media with a purpose mm-hmm. is good. Yeah. But I'm not going to say, oh, Reese has this opinion. No, because if I were in your shoes, I would probably have that same yeah. opinion as well. I mean, everybody has their own perspective. And that's exactly why I'm not, you know, picking sides or, you know, I don't have the work. I don't have the understanding that just hasn't it just hasn't been a part of my life so i i I just wouldn't you know on these types of things and i think this is where there's separation is just i just like choose to not comment um i choose to let the others do their own thing and i i've you know i god just kind of hopped in on a funnel of just like focus and um a lot of the things a lot of the outside factors have just like not eaten away. I've just chosen to uh, um, allocate my time with intent um, and purpose. And, um, you know, that just so happens to be just like swimming. It's not like, you know, I, I love, I love, um, yeah, I have great friends uh, that produce great works um, for magazines, XYZ. Um, but again, it's just something that I haven't found progress, personal progress in. And I think that's kind of, my main point here is like looking through media, looking through X, Y, Z, it's all, um, people that don't have your experience, uh, for better or for worse. And so whether they're, again, whether they are praising you or ripping you apart, uh, there's no real, I, I think it gets dangerous when you invest too much. You can invest if, that's what gives you confidence if that's what gets you up and don't get me wrong. Like I love, um, going to meets and meeting people who have supported me throughout my career. Uh, people who have stories of, you know, Oh, like you were so nice to my kids or you were so nice to me at age 13, 14, 15. 
um, you know, when you read my first grader a book, um, you know, at Penn Charter, I would do reading sessions like with kids and, um, or anything, you know, oh, like you, I was there, right? you know, the day of service that you started and that inspired me to do something. Uh, you know, there are cool stories that I get to, again, now in my career, appreciate way more than I did when I was like 17, 18, because I just was kind of doing my own thing again. But it turns out that these things had positive effects on people. And so I use that as like my, you know, source of like, okay, like maybe, maybe you are figuring things out. You know, you could not be. But at least in the past, if you stick to certain motivations and choose to act on those urges, they can do impactful things. And so <clears throat> I've tried to stay focused on that um, and producing impact as opposed to uh, getting, again, caught up in like positive comparisons or like, oh, this kid didn't do that, X, Y, Z, like, oh, write him off completely, like he's a failure, whatever, or he's like, you know, the next big thing. Like I just have chosen to just accept everybody as they are and whether they achieve what they want to achieve or not, they are, you know, they're not less of anything, you know, or more of anything. If they do achieve the set goals or not, you know what I mean? Like they are true, like life is, there are so many variables in life. So it's like, how can you get caught up in, the dichotomy of do or don't. Either you do or you don't. And if you do, great. If you don't, there are learning opportunities in that. Yeah. And so why would you, on either side, get caught up too much in that? So I think I've just tried to just ride the line and stay level um, and just have fun. I think it's allowed me to have fun in creating a craft, developing a craft, investing in my guys. Uh, that allows me more time to do those things yeah. and I've noticed that if you focus more on that you can have a much greater impact in helping the group move forward um so I've uh I've tried to do that in my time at Cal and um and just kind of adding experience to my life it's just like okay I want to continue to find ways to do that I want to continue to find ways to generate impact uh to to a collective, uh, to something that's bigger than myself. And so um, I've just had a lot of fun in that process and you get to meet great people along the way. And I think uh, hopefully, hopefully I've done right by as many people as possible. Cause I'd love to take, um, you know, my entire group of guys from, you know, the people that I had on the team with me freshman year, all the way till now, uh, there's so many great people. Everybody has been an amazing, um, person to me. Um, and I have great relationships with all of my guys. And so I'd love to take all of that, uh, and into the future. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. And it's, it's crazy how things are shaped. Like the last episode I posted, like the most recent one was Isabel Ivy. Mm -hmm. And to a certain extent, she had a similar high school experience with media, things like that. And she talked about the same thing here. She was like, I don't, like the media, and I want to be someone besides this. And the majority of the podcast was Isabel Ivy more than a swimmer. Yeah. And it's just who she is and her thoughts. And yeah. we talked about these same thoughts, or we talked about, like, what if there is no swimming? Like, things like that. And mm -hmm. I think, like you said, like you said very well, 
it forces you to mature early, but in a way, I think that's so cool that you guys got that experience so early because now you get more time to focus on the things that actually matter. Yeah. Because I'm sure that obviously a lot of great athletes on your team, I'm sure some of them are still chasing the media hype and things like that as any athlete would because when you're starting out or when you're not there yet, you think, well, that's what I want. That's what's cool. And when you're on the other side and, and you realize like, hey, that's that's not what it's about, mm-hmm. you get to focus on what actually matters. Yeah. And that's the thing that you also end up learning is that the guys who have done it at a high level from a very early age really still don't care. Like, it's not what it's about. Uh, it's more about just the having confidence in preparation. Um, that having confidence in your process uh, and the other stuff, all the superficial accolades, uh, are again, yeah, are just kind of happenstance of the process, um, or I guess a, a development uh, of the process. And so, uh, you know, at the same time, you can literally do the same things and have it fall to shambles. Like, yes, you can not win an NCAA championship after however many months of hard work and process focus and a mindset, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you didn't get anything out of it. I, I, I hate that mentality. Um, and I'd like to see more people just kind of understand that like you're so much more than a win or a loss or, uh, you know, so much more than what other people around you for better, for worse, like, decide as superficial indicators of success like it's not it's not about that like you it's about personal development i don't know people might think i'm crazy for thinking that way um you know people may not get it um but that's how i've chosen to just kind of roll through life is focusing on uh urges urges um and problem solving and if you can um you know, it might feel like you're failing in the moment, but if you do have signs of, you know, breaking through, you know, um, breaking through obstacles and working through things and it, oh man, like it comes together in terms of like, I don't know, uh, feeling good during a swim or feeling really bad, but like still being stoked to be there. Um, or, you know, doing well on a test that you didn't think you were going to do well on. Um, or assisting in a case competition or delivering in a class presentation, things like that. Um, if you get joy out of that, it's like, why not do the things? Why not simply focus on the things that give you joy, um, and that give you energy? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, in that, in that, I think that's where I've found the most growth. And so, uh, you know, I don't try to spill that on other guys because, uh, again, everybody has <clears throat> different sources of motivation, different goals, different experiences. But I think that the certain uh, certain points that I touched on regarding success, I think that can be applied to everyone. Uh, I think everybody can learn from that. Um, and fortunately, I just have so many guys that are really good at what they do and uh I found it to be a very similar mentality in terms of not focusing on the tangibles, but focusing on the process. Um, so that's what I've chosen to do. Uh, and, you know, hopefully 20 years from now, 
I'll be able to look back and say I did a relatively good job of sticking to process again, regardless of like superficial factors or superficial wins and losses. Um, but in terms of who you are on your inside. So I've been trying to touch on that a lot here on the podcast specifically because it's one of the things that I learned this year. Um, me personally, just in my in my own life, and it's what I'd like to call the happiness circle, right? Mm-hmm. Happiness being a means to its own end, mm-hmm. meaning that the process is what brings you joy, which is why you continue doing it. And regardless of the result, you're going to get back up and you're going to keep on doing it over and over and over again in a cycle because you're in love with that process, mm-hmm. because you love that. And like you said, I feel like that's what brings personal growth, personal development. And it's not for a trophy. Mm-hmm. It's for oh, 20 years down the line. Not to say I accomplished all of this, but rather to look back on those 20 years and say, wow, that's a life well lived. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I think. Of course. And it's important to reflect as well. I think when you have that mentality, it can be easy to just kind of let things roll by. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I've been, uh, I've done a poor job of in the past of just like sitting back and reflecting. It's like, oh, geez, like, again, like I started out as a seven year old that just wanted to get into a sport because he failed at it that's all it was <laughs> that's all it was uh so <laughs> you gotta look back and be like wow like there's a lot of time in between now and then um and you've done things uh poorly you've done things the right way um and you just gotta be happy with uh where things are you know my my god brother um who is you know i'm an only child but uh, my god brother a lot of people kind of know us together um uh you know my friends know his you know know me or know him and vice versa um and you know he's you know he's with the houston texans now and you know it started he's halfway through his first more than halfway through his first nfl season and it's just like i got to spend some time with him over thanksgiving and just kind of sit back and reflect on like dude like we were literally seven years old man like playing in the backyard bro and now you're playing on sundays and it's like you just have to realize that these things can happen um and uh as long as you just again stay grounded uh, and focus on yourself but again it's like these things these things life is life can be crazy and so i think um, as long as you just stay diligent and driven but also take a step back sometimes and say hey look you didn't think you would be here but here you are keep it moving um that's how i've chosen to live and um you know there are certain friends that i have that i will consider lifelong friends that think the same way so i'm gonna you know continue to cherish the time that i have with them and um again just try to deliver uh, and try to impact as best as i can so yeah do, do you think and, and to another point because what I've found to be in my own life is it makes sense in my head. It's a good way to live. Mm-hmm. But sadly, I don't think that this is how the world works because once again, people praise or live for or think that the tangible superficial thing is the main goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I've experienced this mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if you have as well. Do you think having this mentality makes you be misunderstood by others? Uh I mean, you're always misunderstood. That's the thing. <laughs> like you can't, you can't get worried about again what people, what other people think. Like for better or for worse, it comes back to that same point. 
it's just like, yes, like I probably am, but so is the next person with a different mentality. (laughs) So it's like, you can't, I mean, yes, you can be misunderstood by people. You can be supported. You can be hated. Um, and you know, I'm not gonna sit up here and say, Oh, I have haters, but it's like, yeah, you know, there are people that, that everybody is not liked by everybody. Uh, uh, and you, but it's, it's, it's better to focus on again, like the, the process and try to uplift as many people as possible. And that's what I feel like I've tried to do. So, um, I've tried to let people live in their own being because for better, or for worse, uh, during my childhood, I wasn't fully able to cause of, you know, X, Y, Z being blown out of proportion, uh, I didn't get to create my own narrative growing up. So I try to let other people create theirs. You're clearly on the other side of it now. And I'm starting to experience that at, at a very, very smaller level than, mm-hmm. than you are. Mm-hmm. And these are all questions like it's genuine because it's like, yeah. I'm going through things that you're talking about right now, which mm-hmm. is, it's super cool. Yeah. Um, when you have this, idea that's created by the media by reputation by word of mouth by people by whoever it is Mm -hmm. and people can look at you as oh he's that guy or quote unquote he's a perfect kid or whatever (laughs) what do you do when like is it as easy as not giving a fuck about what people think about you or or it's like you don't ruin that reputation or you're just who you are man like it's it's who you are it's who you are, the positives and the negatives. So like if people have things to say, yeah, like you can choose to believe in them or not. Even if, you know, I've chosen to believe things in the past and it's been detrimental. And so I've learned through that process to not, not focus on the negatives, but instead, like if people have, again, genuine, genuine stories to tell about how you made them feel if you can find new ways to deliver that and bring that to people, like that's what I'm going to focus on. Like that's, that's what fills me up with energy. Um, If I can contribute again to a national championship, to some kid who wants to learn how to swim to some kid that just wants advice, not even from a swimmer, but an athlete in general, like there are so many different situations where people can impact one another. But if you can, if you can generate again for yourself, oh, that guy offered me something or he made me feel good in a certain way. He made me feel bad. X, Y, Z. Like, again, if you can get to a spot to where you can just try to do right by folks and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But, um, fortunately again, like I've just, I've just tried to, uh, ride steady and do things that um i guess have made me feel good in the past like when i've been invested in when i've been listened to um when i've been exposed to certain things um again i think that's because people have chosen to invest in me it's not because i've done xyz up to this state um or up to this time up to this point in time it's not about the past it's because of one person saying, Hey, look, I'm going to invest in this kid. We'll see what he does with it. 
and just that opportunity in, in and of itself, that exchange is a blessing. So if you can, if you can choose to like invest in people and try to help them become the best, their best selves, like people have tried to do for me, I think, you know, in a, in your own way, like people may not be asking for it. And again, like I haven't always asked for advice, so I don't try to blow anything on other people. I think I'm pretty guarded in that. And again, I have my own things to do as everyone does. But if somebody, again, like my curious self, <laughs> you know, once asked a question or a series of questions, or maybe didn't even ask, but you know, you knew you wanted a little bit of something like every kid has an urge has a bite has an itch and you know people like coaches mentors can see that and so when they provide great advice it's relieving like for kids like us and so if you can just try to put yourself in other people's shoes um and say hey look like okay if i invest a little bit of time here and make them you know make them excited you know, offer critique, offer, give them something to bite at, give them something to prove. Uh, I think it can be great. And, um, you know, I've learned that a lot through giving some lessons now. Um, you know, people can kind of can sign up for courses now. Uh, it's been a whole part of the whole NIL kind of landscape. And so me kind of looking back at the kids who, again, have invested in me, like I have a duty and a right to invest in them. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's done, it's done, you know, great things for my understanding on life and perspective, um, that I'm going to try to hold with me, you know, well beyond, uh, you know, my career, um, well beyond me existing in Berkeley, um, you know, wherever I go, I just, I've learned that the exchange of investing time in people can be really helpful. And so um, if you can do it positively and uplift people, then, you know, I think uh, you're probably doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny because something that, again, wrong for many people, but some people do think that the purpose of this podcast is, oh, they have these, again, tangible, superficial things. Oh, they have this resume, they have this, that. But the the name denting comes from leaving your dent in the universe. And to me, that is not, well, I mean, it, it could be accomplishing X, Y, Z. Tangible, superficial, X, Y, Z. Because there are but, real goals out there. People yes. Have goals. I have goals. Everybody yeah. has goals. But it's a storyline behind it that I'm interested in. If not, it would not be a, a sit-down conversation. It'd be something quick and that's it. Yeah. But it, it's that storyline behind it. And I think that the beauty of denting isn't necessarily the golden medal, the golden trophy. It's the storyline behind that that impacts someone else, that leaves a dent in someone else yeah. to be able to inspire others to do the same. And it's something that you're doing, like, with, with those kids and even with me right now that it's, like, I had those questions. Oh, yes, because yeah. I have those questions, genuine questions. These yeah. aren't things that I have written down. These are genuine questions, and you're giving them great answers. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh, an interesting perspective with everything. And I, like I said, I've been going through some of that, like, this past week or the past few weeks. Um, 
I'm out. Mm-hmm. And uh, my videos the past three months started getting more traction, which, all right, cool. Yeah. And it's what we were talking about with the numbers. Like, when you're younger, you become yeah. addictive to, like, the quantitative sport. Same with me. It's like, all right, we got to keep working, got to keep posting. And it's even more dangerous when money's involved because <laughs> then you can start to do things. That those numbers are also dangerous, exactly, and it becomes addicting, and you want to put in more work, and it's that ex- extrinsic motivation. But once it's like, all right, monthly for me, mm-hmm. it's a hundred thousand people are looking, are watching the videos on yeah. Instagram, and it's like, all right, fun. This yeah. is a, a game. It's a video game. Yeah. But then I'm out, and people are like, "Oh, you're the guy from. Yeah. Oh, you're this guy." And I was like, oh, shit. Like, and that's why I was asking all these questions. of like, they have this idea of who I am. What do I do? And and things like that. But it's a new frame. Yeah. It's a new frame. And it's what I'm going through right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So those were those questions. Um, With the fifth year and everything you're at right now, I think it's uh, crazy to connect from high school to fifth year. Mm -hmm. But it it ties in very well to to this conversation, I think. Um, When we last talked you weren't really sure if you were going to do a fifth year or not. Um, And I saw like from NCs, you were like, eh, I may be done. You come back. I read this article that it was like, you had to find your why behind it. Yeah. And right now you were talking about like what what motivates you, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't really an answer. So like, what is that motivation? If it's not like, it's definitely not extrinsic, at least from what you're saying, in the mm-hmm. sense of, oh, I want the third championship. And it, yeah. it, it, at least it doesn't seem to be. I don't know. It could be wrong. But what motivates you to come back a fifth year? Um, you know, I had, to, um, I had to think about what personally gets me going, like, forcefully. Like, I think it's kind of set in stone that obviously, um, ultimately, like, yes, the goal is to contribute to a national title. But... That can't be the only thing, because um, then you're. I feel like you could just be, you know. Again, I think uh, if it's too focused on others, although it's important to, you have to understand that you have to do certain things. So there's times where, yeah, like you're gonna need to be selfish. Um, and so I had to take my time this summer to be a little bit selfish, um, do things that I wanted to do, keep my toe in the water, uh, stay fit. Um, and that's, that's what I love is just the feeling of being in the water. Like there's no, there's no feeling like moving through a set, a difficult piece of work uh, and getting through it. Um, you know, finding a new way to be efficient in the water, um, executing on it, not only finding it, but executing it and chasing it in real time. Uh, and then having the opportunity in amazing atmospheres, um, you know, I think of the World Cup and just like figuring it out in the moment, uh, trying new things. And, you know, if it goes well, it's like it's it feels good. Um, And so if you can find like those small wins and trying new things and like, again, taking a step and like, oh, man, like I'm going to pursue this race strategy on the the first time. it might be an early season meet, but like, yeah, like this is the World Cup. Like there are these, these are the best athletes in the world. It could be, it could be fun to try things out at this stage and see how it works. And, um, you know, it's, it hasn't gone well in the past and it has gone well in the past. And, but I think when it, when it does work, it's cool. Um, and so I think that's what personally has brought me back 
is to, again, continue to find new things to work on. Um, you know, breaststroke is such an interesting stroke. Uh, it's the least efficient by all means, but I think there is the most opportunity in that. Um, I mean, quite literally. I mean, <laughs> there, there are many different ways to try to be good in breaststroke swimming because of just how weird it is. Um, and there's so much nuance versus breaststroke than, I mean, a lot of other strokes. Uh, I'm probably biased, but I think there's a reason that breaststroke is the slowest stroke. <laughs> uh, and people have the least amount of fun with it. Um, so I, I've just tried to uh, uh, find solace in the water, uh, develop a really good relationship with just, again, swimming, um, the act, um, you know, and the structure of a swim, the structure of a stroke. Um, and if the times do come, it's like, it's, it's pretty cool. Cause then it's like uh, that extra bit of quote unquote validation. Um, but like, I, I like feeling good in the water. And if you can, if you can do that, if, you know, if you can do that to a point where, yeah, like you'll toss out points to again, contribute to something that feels really good and winning a team championship as a collective, like I'm, I'm probably going to continue to do it if I have another opportunity, uh, at that. So that's why I chose, uh, to come back, um, a little bit of personal, a little bit of personal for sure. Cause there has to be. Um, but at the end of the day, like it's, it's, it's great to, uh, lift up a trophy at the end of March and jump in the pool with all your guys, um, and see that for them, come back home for the guys that weren't necessarily there, uh, and let them have experience, let them have that experience as well. Um, cause unfortunately we can't take all 30 guys, uh, to the meet at the end of each season. And so if you can do well in the moment and bring that home for them to, for them to have that experience too, uh, you know, it, it, more often than not, at least on the, the guys on this team, everybody is so hungry. So for the guys that don't get to go, that's also who you do it for because you know that they want to be there and they want to contribute to and most more often than not, like they do end up running an opportunity. And so like, um, seeing that happen is also really cool. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's what, that's what you do it for. That's why you come back for a fifth year. In such a individual sport, like we were talking about in the beginning with not being able to take all the guys, because there's obviously a limit to how many guys you can take to, to NCs. I'm sure, I'm sure as every other year, um, you guys have so many guys qualifying, but not everybody that qualified can go of because of that limit. But then it's a team title. Yeah. And you talk about bringing that title back to these boys. And uh, how does that work in swimming where it's, well, everybody earned this title. We were, were all teammates, but you guys were competing in an individual lane. So it was it? But no, everybody did. Everybody did. Because at our program, everybody helps one another. Uh, truly. Uh, whether it's in the classroom or in the water. Uh you know, in training with one another every day, everybody gets looks at one another. And um, in seeing other things happen, like at least in our program, you're always going to get a benefit. And so I know that, that at the end of the year, like when I step up on the blocks and, you know, place in an event, let's say, or help, 
you know, our relay, for example, that won a national title last year, like that's, that's a, that's a byproduct of the collective. That's a byproduct of the alumni. That's a byproduct of our coaches. That is a byproduct of the other guys that are working in the pool with Cal written on their caps. And so, um, because we, every guy that steps up has learned. And if they, if they say that, you know, I can't imagine any guy on my team saying like, oh, this was just me. I can't, <laughs> I really can't. Um, but there are people that do operate under that uh, mentality and that works for them. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, in my experience at Cal, it really is about the collective. And so it, it you know, it's 18 guys at the end of the year, max, but it is, it is 38. It is the coaching staff. It is the alumni. It is the athletics department. It is the training staff that is behind the scenes. It is everybody. So that's awesome. That's mm-hmm. awesome that it feeds off that way because that's how it should be in team sports, obviously, mm-hmm. but in such a, <clears throat> an individual sport, I didn't get that experience and just that question there. You already mentioned NIL mm-hmm. and I've seen that you've been at least more active with it yeah. um, from what I knew. So what's that experience been like for you? Yeah, it's definitely a step out of my comfort zone. Um, you know, I had a stretch to, I mean, I still uh, try to limit my time again on things that are outside of the books or swimming or just like investing in my friends. Um, but when, you know, you can monetize, um, you know, yourself, you know, uh, I guess adding, uh, you know, building equity within yourself. Um, you know, when I talk about, you know, financial equity, um, that's been cool. That's been cool. Um, you know, I've never really been asked my rate for anything before until now. Uh, so that's been cool dictating that. Um, and, uh, again, investing a bit of time in it. So like, you know, with cuts, for example, which, you know, got the hoodie on right now. Um, it's been, they've been a great sponsor, uh, really comfortable clothing across the board. Um, and when there's like a post quota, it's like, all right, how would, how would I do this? How would I go about this? Um, and luckily, you know, we have talented photographers on our team. Um, so it's been cool uh, to work with Mike on that project. And, um, you know, it's, it's been fun to ride that out with him. And obviously it's, it's, again, it's cool to when you can kind of order a meal, you know, I'll, I'll buy, you know, get a, get a dinner and it's like, Oh, like, you know, my work helped me get this. Um, it's, uh, it's cool. And obviously the clothes are amazing. So I, I get to be comfy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and with the other stuff, more like, you know, speeches or the courses, uh, or the course that I ran in the fall or just individual, uh, swim lessons, other projects. Um, it's been cool. It's been cool. And if people are willing to, uh, again, give a little bit of money to hear you speak, hear your opinion, um, you know, there's that much more of, uh, of a responsibility to do right by them. Um, and do um, the most in your capacity to uh, deliver something again to the client. Um, that's something that they're going to be happy with and that they can trust. Uh, and when you know it's somewhere comes back and says, "Hey man, like this worked. Like I dropped time, or I got so, or comes back and says, "Oh, I got so much out of this." Um, you know, like if you give a 
if you have to give a speech um, for an organization or something like that, and the people in the audience say, oh, I got something out of that, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. And so, um, you know, it's not necessarily, again, about the financial impact, but I think it, um, the NIL opportunities have uh, done so many things for athletes at the NCAA level, and it has changed the landscape of the NCAA. And I'm really excited to see how it, uh, how it all comes together moving forward. It's, uh, there's a lot of opportunity in this space and it's very new. Um, so I'm excited to see how it plays out. Your values seem to be very aligned with the work that you're doing NIL wise, at least how you were talking about it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now that you mentioned how the NCAA could be impacted by it, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because many people aren't have like using their values to be aligned with these NIL deals. And yeah. I don't know. I, I, I feel like for um, NCAA-wise, mm-hmm. smaller sports being not football and not yeah. basketball, of course. I think NIL is great. But for the NCAA as a whole with those two sports, do you think it's going to be a good thing? Um, that's a great question. Uh, that is a great question. I think, um, you know, you have to look at each athlete as an individual. Um, and it's, it's more about the opportunity that the athlete gets. Um, and yes, like basketball and football naturally are going to eat more, um, off of that, off of these deals, schools stay afloat through, you know, financial means, uh, financial capital. And that's how organizations are able to thrive and grow. Um, so naturally they're probably going to put a little bit more focus on those groups, but, um, I think again, if you can find ways personally to bite at ambition, this is ambition for you. You get drive out of this. You're doing it. So it's like, I think any, I think people have so much to offer. It's just about digging a little and finding, all right, what gives me energy? Is there an opportunity? Um, If not, let me create one. Let me start something. But if there is a channel of you being able to, you know, exercise, work on those urges, and yes, like you're able to get a little bit of extra spending money off of it, I say do it. Um, For me, that was like teaching. And so I was able to do it. Um, And... um, you know, I, I, I like photography. I don't necessarily like posting photos of myself, but I, I do like comfy clothes. So if they're if that's what they're telling me to do, I'm going to do it. <laughs> um, and I do have an appreciation for photography, so that's been that's been fun. Um, but I think uh, you know, ultimately, it's about schools making sure that their athletes are taken care of. Um, these are these business models of college sports are very tough, and so. Um, as long as, again, the programs that do well enough to sustain as many sports as possible, I think that's what Cal is amazing at. So we have like 30, 32 sports, which is uh, unprecedented, uh, especially in the Power Five. That is such a, a money-driven uh, business, a money-driven area. It's expensive to be in the Bay Area. It's, you know, rent is expensive here, rent on all of the facilities. So these are all things that, you know, Cal Athletics and other programs around the country are thinking about, and so uh, it will, you know, it will be tough for other sports to last. But I think uh, 
again, it's, it's, um, it's hard because, you know, even coming from a non-revenue sport like swimming, it's stuff that makes us think twice. You know, you see men's swimming programs being cut all over the country. Um, but it's, it's like if there, is, if there is a way, you just have to have a little bit of trust in the people that you surround yourselves with. If you're lucky enough to surround yourself with, again, people who will work hard for you. Not everybody has that opportunity, but... Um, I think if you find yourself in that situation, um, you know, where you're unlucky on the short, if you draw a short straw, it's like, okay, what, um, what can you learn from that? And it's easier for me to just say, right. Because I'm on a team that is doing relatively well compared to other programs in the country. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily worried about my team being cut X, Y, Z. So I can't, I can't speak to that experience, but if I were, um, if that were the reality for me, I would just try to, um, as hard as it is look inward, uh, to what gives me energy. Cause when things don't go my way, that's what I try to personally do. I, I try to find again, a solution. And if there isn't one that's feasible, you know, it's, it's, that's up to that person to, uh, do with that what they can. Um, so I, it's, but it's, it'll be an interesting to see how it looks. I think, uh, I don't think college sports is going to look the same, uh, even five years from now, especially not 10 to 20. Um, but I hope that values are maintained and that people are allowed to be the, their best athletic selves and whatever, whatever sport they choose to uh, practice, whether it be, you know, swimming, gymnastics, tennis, football, basketball, baseball. I, I would love to see everybody be able to do what they want to do. So, yeah, I don't know. That's, it, it's awesome what you're saying. Like at the end, being able to do what you would like to do because Cal, whatever people want to say about Cal, I think it's insane that, like you said, the 30 teams that we have here is a lot of sports. Dude, it's so many. Like, yeah. I think in the Pac-12. <laughs> oh, it's most in the Pac-12. Yeah, like, sure. th there's no other um, athletic department that has that many yeah, teams. I don't even, uh, Stanford would be the only one. St Stanford has more student-athletes. They don't have more teams, more though. More teams, yeah. yeah. So, it's like, when you talk about spreading resources, Cal has been the exemplary example. Um, is, you know, it's, it's um, they've been amazing. And so I know Mr. Knowlton has a pretty hard job. I'd love to uh, ask him about some of the decisions that he's been forced to make and some of them, you know, how he, how he feels on certain outlook or on the outlook for the future. Um, but um, again, it's, uh, it's a lot of stressful stuff to think about. And in most situations, you know, those, those things are out of our control um, as student athletes, as individuals. So I think um, it's, again, it comes back to the point of just like controlling what you can control. And unfortunately, you know, the only way that sports are going to be able to thrive is if the athletes can maximize their, their equity, their value, um, which comes in a number of ways. Um, so like you, for instance, you have this, you can put ads on these videos, you know, you can dish these out. You can do whatever you want with it. They're, um, they're, you know, podcasting is a beautiful space. Um, and so I, I, like, it's amazing that you're doing what you're doing. I think what, 
I think this podcast, not only the people on it, not only you, but the model in and of itself is something that people can learn from. So I think uh, the people that can just create their own, again, maximize their own equity through models that they can create, then I think that's that's going to be pretty powerful. And that's what's going to make these non-revenue sports last because these aren't profitable models. So it takes a bit of tweaking here and there to make it work. Um, yeah. And so, but that's ultimately going to have to come from the athletes. Yeah, no, it's, it's something that's going to have to be worked out because like you said, there's, I mean, what, 30 teams here, mm-hmm. uh, give, give or take mm-hmm. 25 teams that aren't, uh, profitable, mm-hmm. like you're saying. So, mm-hmm. mine, so mine included, mine included, like something, something doesn't make money. I'm sure. Oh, mine included for sure. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, we could, we could, uh, I'd like to see us start like maybe having tickets for our events because I know there's a rich swimming population out here in the Bay Area. And so if kids want to come see you, like, I think that's one way that, you know, five bucks to get in the door at a swim meet, stuff like that. I think that could be beneficial. Dude, I'm going to be completely honest right now when you mentioned that it was (laughs) not profitable because I've gone to pretty much every swim meet for the past year. Mm -hmm. There's one, there's not enough swim meets, but I, which I get with the schedules, yeah. it's the bigger meets. Mm-hmm. I get it, makes sense. Mm-hmm. But two, it's packed every single time. Yeah, yeah. And when I see people walking in and out for free, um, I was honestly a bit confused. Like, I, it's a genuine question I have for Mr. Knowlton as well. Like, I, I've gotten the chance to talk to him multiple times, but it's like, mm-hmm. huh, why, why isn't it like, literally that exact same number I was thinking as soon as you mentioned it. It's yeah. like, if you charge everyone walking in five dollars, yeah, okay, maybe for it's a dual meet. yeah, for a, for a dual competitive meet. dual meet where you know if you get Arizona State at speaker, Dude. if you get Arizona at speaker, I mean you're seeing you're seeing Olympians at work, so it's not like you're getting uh, you know whack competition out there. I don't know. <laughs> One of the first meets. I went, or the first meet I ever went to, because this was post-COVID, I have been wanting to go for a while, but then COVID hit, whatever. Of course. Was the Virginia meet. Yeah. And I remember I was... Electric, dude. Electric. Dude, I was there with a friend, and obviously it was right after Tokyo, and I'm like... Of course. Dude, think about how expensive some of these tickets would have been, but I'm here at Cal, so I get to watch it for free. Dude, I would have, I'd pay like it's stuff that the over world watches. Dude, it's stuff that the world watches from again a paper perspective on the websites X Y Z. But if you can bring, um, if you can bring eyes to it, I mean the Virginia women that year and every year are Insane. incredible. Um, you know they have great you know guys on their men's team, and then you get the same thing at Cal. Our, our men's team and women's team have some of the best best athletes in the world. Um, and so I think if you can create an environment that gets people stoked a little bit, you know, say you got some smoky flares or lights, cameras, action. I know that's not our program, but that's uh, that's what's going to sell. Uh, you have to make it an experience if um, people aren't willing uh, to read a little bit and understand what's out there. You have to make it a spectacle, um, even though the athletes in and of themselves, I mean, it could be pretty bare bones, dry setting. And these are still the best athletes in the world. And, you know, they deserve to, you know, be looked at, um, and, you know, if people want to come see them perform. And I think, you know, there could be a ticket there too, but, um, 
you know, it's, I, I think of the water polo game. I think of, you know, tickets, you know, NCAA charging 50 bucks to go see those boys play. And that's, that is, that should be the standard because they, they, again, these guys are the best in the world at what they do. Um, so to go, to have guys like Papa, like in your back, like the, the number one water polo player in the world, um, just uh, uh, an anomaly, uh, just a, a talent that lives um, and that competes at just the, the highest level. I mean, who scores who scores seven goals like to win a natty in the way that they, you know what I mean? It's, it's insane. Stuff, it's stuff that you, that uh, is only seen in movies and you get to see it in your backyard. And I think, um, you know, there are opportunities for the quote unquote, like non-revenue sports, um, to create a spectacle in and of themselves. And, you know, there are other ways, like I'm sure with soccer, XYZ, other sports, again, that I don't really have experience in, but I know that with swimming and water polo, there's certainly an opportunity. And I know, I know that that opportunity exists with all of the other sports as well. So I'd just, I'd love to see it happen. Yeah, I would love to see it happen as well. And it's, it's crazy. Like even what you were mentioning right now with the, like, it, it depends every time who you're swimming against. But regardless of that, it's, like, even to watch the Cal athletes, like you were saying, like, of course. some of the best in the world already. But then you, you, and, and this is the crazy part, because in this conversation, I feel like I've gotten to know the personal side of you and then the business side of you right now. And we go back to, like, what we don't want to, what we don't like to get what we like, which is the clickbaity side of, Oh, Leon Marchand's uh, ASU is coming to swim at Cal. Mm -hmm. But you get what you want of like being able to inspire a kid that'll buy that ticket to come in and and see that. Exactly. And iron sharpens iron. So it's like our two teams like are so good. And so that's the, again, the beauty of competition above, which is above the headline XYZ. Yes, you have to, in order to be able to make money, um for sports it's like yeah you're gonna have to generate some here or there um but as long as it stays focused on the competition and the healthy competition i think it can be beneficial so that's where you think the the compromise is like Mm -hmm. with with business in the sense of well it's clickbaity it's attention but it's for a good cause that that's where it works out and it's not even it's not even about like the clickbaity stuff i mean you, you pay for experience and it's an experience watching Papa do what he does. It's an experience watching the Cal men's water polo team win a national championship at home, coming down by scoring five unanswered goals in the fourth quarter. It's like that's that's what it is. That's what these guys are doing. That's there's it's simple. So it's like you can you don't have to charge for it. You know those guys can do their own thing and make their own bread, but. You know, I think the athletic department could, um, again, also eat a little bit um, and, you know, potentially fairly distribute those funds now that it's legal, um, now that it's allowed, um, as it always should have been, because ultimately these guys are the ones doing the work and drawing the attention. Um, But I think it can be done. I think there is a, uh, a real solution for it. So, yeah, no, very, very interesting takes with the. NIL and, and everything that goes about that and even that full circle moment of right now, like that compromise for that experience of maybe sacrificing that that 
yeah, that, that attention getter for something bigger. And it's something I was going to ask anyways with the NIL because NIL is technically paying mm-hmm. someone, like you said, personal equi- personal financial equity. Mm-hmm. But it's like, how do you get there in the first place? How do you raise your value? And it's like, well, right. through for athletes, it's well through athletic performance. But it's like, but that doesn't define me. Exactly. But it gives me opportunities. So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's a slippery slope. Of course, and there are mental, uh, there are mental throws that come with it. But I think if you again, nobody said it would be easy. It's not for anybody on any sports team. And so, if you can just focus, if you, I think you know, a friend of mine had something very good to say, and it's like you can't. In life, you have to choose what your struggles are. You do, and so. There are some struggles that you can kind of fall in love with and that you can kind of just deal with and get through. And it's easier said than done. Uh, but I'd like to think if you can create, if you can utilize the resources that'll help you move through those hard times, um, you know, Cal athletes uh, have access to the Calm app, uh, the ones that were here during COVID. Um, that's something that I've invested a lot of time into. Uh, you know, I, I do still need to do my daily calm for today. I've been quite busy, but that's what I'm going to do after this. Um, just to clear my head, refocus, um, um, you know, spending time with friends, um, sp- spending time speaking with friends about these things. Cause we're not the only ones that have these thoughts. Um, but, uh, you know, the power of, uh, the power of meaningful conversation can take you a long way. So if you spend some time to sit down with, you know, your teammates or your friends and discuss things out, hash thing, hash these strong opinions and beliefs and these, these problems, hash them out because that's the only way that they're going to get solved is if you have dialogue, if you, that's the only way things get better in every form of life, you have to have dialogue about the positive things and probably even more importantly, the negative things, things that need to be worked on, things that, you know, have not been solved yet. Um, you know, you, you can you can you can do things. You have the power to do things, especially us college athletes have a lot of power. And so um, when you put these brains together and you can make things work, I think it can be a beautiful thing. Um, and so. I mean, that's, it just comes back to like how each of us on our team like get better. It's by talking with one another. It's by having dialogue. It's by, you know, chirping at practice, chirping somebody at practice. It's about uplifting other people at practice. It's about, it's about all of that. It's about dialogue. So I think, um, again, nobody has the solution. Nobody has the answers. But in my experience, I think that talking these things out with people that I trust and that are close to me has uh has worked you know i didn't know exactly what kind of vibe was gonna sell with my cuts pictures <laughs> so i had to talk about it <laughs> you know it's not something that i can think about myself because i don't know what i'm doing i'm not uh you know i don't go out there you know one focused on socials two like understand what trends are how to because i mean if you go out there and do something that's like not doesn't snap eyes doesn't catch eyes it's not going to sell you're not going to you're not going to create an opportunity for yourself in that in that space so with this specific project in particular you know that's something that i'm struggling with it's like all right well what do i what do i do here what do i do with this how how do i you know in order for me to actually create money off this it has to make sense so i don't want to do something that doesn't make sense 
um, the branding aligned, but in terms of actually delivering the product, delivering my service, how was I going to do that in a way that was me, but again, got a little bit of a grab. And so that's what I tried to do. Um, that's what I tried to do with, um, all of the projects that I'm working on. But again, these aren't things that I, you know, you can solve things yourself, but with this in particular, as an example, is something where I was like, I'm so far out of my comfort zone. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, but we got people who, who do understand a little bit about the space. And even if they don't understand anything about the space, you can grow together all through dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, after many conversations with Mike, uh, we got these things rolling. And so that's been fun. Um, but there are so many other ways that you can apply um, just having positive dialogue and negative dialogue to uh, generate positive solutions. Yeah. If you can already tell, I'm a big fan of dialogue. So. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. You're living it out. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I am a firm believer in dialogue. And I, yeah. I really do believe that like you can find meaning and purpose in life mm -hmm. through a meaningful conversation. Sure. Um, so that's, that's the best part with that. Uh, with the swimming moving forward, mm -hmm. the World Cup, what was that experience like for you? Oh, it was amazing. Uh, I got to go to Berlin, uh, Toronto, and then we had an international meet stateside uh, in Indianapolis. And so I was able uh, to head out pretty early to Berlin to acclimate, get ready to go. Um, and fortunately, I did relatively well. I had to deal with some injury stuff in the middle of the meet when I was out there. But I had two more meets to go through, so that was fun to figure that out. Um, and fortunately, again, like with the resources that, you know, were there, USC Swimming had people out there to help me through that process. And so, you know, even though every race felt like I was beating my body up, I still had so much fun and learning, again, how to stay level mentally, um, how to, I guess, navigate um, competition with certain guys. And these guys are really good. And, um, And to be able to do it in front of swim fans was really cool. Uh, I didn't expect um, the turnout that we had in Toronto. Uh, and so to see like Canadian swimming fans who hadn't, you know, maybe not seen a cow athlete before, hadn't seen any of these athletes compete before. From my understanding, they don't host too many international competitions there, just like in the U.S. Uh, we don't host many like world meets and stuff like that. A lot of it is European and Asia dominated. Um, so to have those experiences and be a part of that experience for other people, um, was a really cool opportunity. And of course, uh, it's just an amazing environment to compete in. So I was very lucky that I had the opportunity, uh, to go and I'm, you know, just very lucky, uh, to have gotten through it, um, you know, experienced it and I'm going to try all that I can to take those experiences, um, moving forward. Uh, and hopefully it'll help me out for NCAAs. So, yeah, with, with this mid-season point now after the World Cup, mm -hmm. thinking NCAAs, like you just said, mm -hmm. um, again, so slippery slope. What's your balance like between personal growth, personal process, mm -hmm. helping my teammates get there? Yeah, and well, we want to place here, here, and here. We want to get X mm -hmm. amount of points. We want to win. Yeah, um, I think. I think it's because the first half of the season is so structure focused. It's not about performance. Um, it gives us an opportunity to look at what can be fixed to hone in on the details, which is where we're at now. So for the last four months of the season, 
uh, you know, we start off by going, um, you know, we'll have this week, we have finals week coming up. Once people execute on that, go home for a week, still manage your training, um, and then sharpen the tools. We have an uphill battle at OTC, um, our annual Colorado Springs camp, uh, which is uh, a great 15 days of uh, hard work and team bonding. And, um, you know, if we can get through that first healthy, um, you know, mentally and physically, uh, if you can if you can take care of business at OGC, you can usually come off of that with some solid confidence that you can at least get the job done in March. And because um, again, as long as we focus on the little things, focus on the little things, keep things simple. NCAA's is one big math problem, um, but you know there are uh, certain guys that can be put in certain spots if they execute well. And so uh, if you can help, you know, not only yourself deliver but if you can help others deliver as well um you know more often than not you're gonna have an opportunity to win and that's um you know it's not about the win in and of itself obviously that's nice but it's about the the opportunity so what's that experience like at otc you were mentioning that and i've seen it i've heard about it but i haven't asked yeah so (laughs) what's that like it's i mean i know it's crazy but Mm -hmm. can you take me through a bit of it yeah so the one of the one of the U.S. Olympic Committee's um, you know training centers is based in Colorado Springs, um, and funny enough, most of the summer sports actually train there, even though it is quite cold. Um, there's one in Chula Vista as well. Um, Fun fact: you, I'm five minutes away from yeah, there. I was gonna say, I gotta say, like, you're probably probably from there. Yeah, um, or are familiar with it. You're probably familiar with it. But it's um, five minutes away. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I've never been to Chula, but. At, uh, in Colorado, it does get gritty. Um, it's at, I want to say anywhere from 6,000 to 6,500 feet, um, altitude. And so that's the real kicker, um, especially for a sport like swimming that you're not really exposed to oxygen too much anyway. Um, so, uh, you know, when you do breathe on the pool deck, when you're in the water, uh, your body takes longer to recover. It takes, uh, it responds to stress differently. Um, and if you can go in healthy, if you can bite off the work when you're there, you feel pretty good coming off of it. Um, but it, it does, <laughs> um, it is, it is a camp. So you are, you are there to work. Uh, you are there to, uh, reach, uh, you know, the bounds of your physical and mental limits. Um, and you know, our, our swim practices will press that pretty quick. Um, and so it's all laid out. Uh, we know what we're doing. We know what we're doing going into every session. Um, but it's a matter of actually getting it done uh, and being able to stand up on the other side of it. So Yeah. We'll have fun. <laughs> yeah. I'll try. I'll try. Um, yeah. Uh, there are always things to learn. Uh, and so I, I think this year um, I'll be able to do some things uh, in terms of just dialing in a little bit more. Um, in the past, I've always had to juggle a couple of things. Um, again, great experiences in the past, but this year, uh, I really wanted to take every opportunity that I can to focus on training. Um, and I will definitely have that opportunity, uh, pretty soon here. So looking forward to it. (laughs) Awesome. Um, last few questions to close out. Mm -hmm. Um, this is something that again, recent interview and it's, 
something I'm very confused on. I asked Isabel. She had no answer for this. Mm-hmm. Why do you guys call it warm down instead of cool down? Uh, I think people call it both. You do call it both. I people call it, people say cool down. Okay, because I've only heard warm down, and I'm cool like, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, I think it's just because it's warm up. You know, warm up, warm down. It's easier, but <laughs> at least in my opinion, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's like you warm up and like you turn on and then True. you shut down, True. type of thing. True. Maybe, maybe, maybe everybody has gotten it wrong. Maybe it should just be cool down. Uh, which is, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just one of those funny things. I guess. It's only with swimming, and I see it in interviews, like swimming podcast, swimming interviews, mm-hmm. post race interviews, and it's like I have to go warm down, and it's like. What do you mean? Well, because I think there's, I think the purpose, at least in swimming, cool down, warm down, whatever you want to call it. You don't, you don't just go in and like swim easy. Like you, like you have to generate a little bit of motion to flush all of that lactic acid out. So you're not just like swimming easy, at least in my warm down, how I've learned to take care of myself. I, I love to get to a spot to where I'm operating at 80% for a fair bit of the cool down. Obviously, you get your flop in there, you get your easy swimming. But uh, if you just stay kind of like, if you just stay flatlining and just like flop around, just kick easy, you can actually build soreness even faster on the other side of it, no matter how good it feels in the moment. So I like to usually flush out with a bit of uh, strong kicking, like strong swimming, little sharp stuff. So it's not full, like cool down. Like there's a little bit of warm stuff in there, I guess. But um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I might have to start just saying cool down. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, I was so confused by that. Um, but yeah. that, that was that. And um, uh, as a leader with your leadership role mm-hmm. here on the team, trying to have that impact on others Mm -hmm. what would be your biggest fear as a leader uh having somebody take something the wrong way um i think i've been exposed to pretty tough leaders and i i've had tough mentors um whom i love who i will you know i will be forever indebted to them um that's just the way i've been taught i've been brought up and I understand that not everybody has the same experiences that I do. So I think it's important to have many leaders, which is why uh, we do at our program not choose captains, which I think is an amazing thing. Really? I think it's another part of why I've been so drawn to this program. It's the class leads as a collective. Uh, the senior class are captains. The fifth years are leaders, you know, but, you know, I've, This year, I've taken a step back. It's very much so on the fourth-year seniors uh, to guide things and how they want to guide things. If Jordan asks me to speak, I'll speak. If, you know, uh, there is a conversation in the locker room, we usually, at least to date, um, the seniors usually run it, uh, leave it up to the fifth years to add their little piece, perhaps at the end to most, you know, these guys are really good at what they do, so I don't really have a whole lot to add ever. (laughs) So it's, it's tough. Um, to really call me a leader, um, because I, all of, all 38 of our guys could lead in a number of ways. Um, we all have things to bring to the table. Um, so I, I just try to, I guess in leading, it's like, you just have to listen to one another, uh, especially your peers and the guys that are with you in your class. And so I think that's what, uh, our class, our senior class did a good job of. 
um, just playing off one another's strengths to help the team as a collective. We were a pretty small class. We didn't have too many people. Um, and we listened a lot to our fifth years and benefited a lot from, from our fifth years, both from a leadership perspective, but obviously a performance um, perspective as well. And so when you don't have captains, I think it lets everybody be their best selves, which uh, like obviously is great. Like, yeah. Why would you not want that? So um, that's, that's uh, at least in my last you know, year on this team and as, you know, a quote unquote leader on the outside, um, that's what I've tried to focus on is um, by trying to send the right message, trying to be, um, I think we're all extensions of Dave Durden. I think that's why we all give credit to him. Um, and uh, you can be extensions of, you know, great leaders in different ways. And I think all of us find inspiration in him and try to draw certain things from him. And so if we can all buy into the mission, um, you know, things, great things can happen. Um, not only for us as individuals, but for this athletic department and for a collective, for the, for the collective. Um, I think you've seen, you saw water polo live it out, um, you know, and so that's, that's what we're trying to do here too. So awesome. Yeah. Very last question, a full circle moment for the for this episode. Mm -hmm. What is your definition of success? Oh man, uh, waking up in the morning, finding something to learn, and if at the end of the day, like you can say you actually have learned it, or you can answer it a little better, or you have found something that you want to continue to work on. I think that's kind of what it is. Uh, that's how I've chosen to define my success. Um, inside and outside of the water. Uh, I think that if you can just find something, uh, again, that you um, are in the act of pursuing, uh, and if you're, if you're able at the end of the day to answer something a little bit better than you could at the beginning of the day, I think that's what success is. Awesome. That's all I got. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything that I missed? No. Um, you know, if there are people watching this that, you know, want to book a swim lesson, uh, you can find me on Instacoach. And of course, uh, get your cuts gear. You can use my code, uh, code Whitley at, at, at checkout. Um, but other than that, um, maybe find, uh, you know, if you find yourself on the couch um, at the end of March and in need of uh, some entertainment, please do not hesitate to turn on the uh, men's and women's NCAA championships at the end of the year. Support, support your bears. So those are going to be two separate clips coming out at distinct times right there for, for your sponsors and then to, to hype up the bears in late March. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thank you, Fernando, for having me on. It's, it's, uh, these conversations are great. I think what you're doing here is incredibly impressive. And so thank you for, for having me on again. Thank you for, for coming on once again. I really, really enjoyed this episode. And my favorite episodes are where I don't have to look down at this thing. And <laughs> it flowed so naturally. I learned so much and it was so natural. So thank you. Really appreciate it. And as you already know, the doors to this podcast are always open for thank you. Thank you, um, So, yeah, thank you so much for, for your time. And to everyone that watched on YouTube or listened on Spotify, thank you so much. You can... Like and subscribe on YouTube. You can follow on Spotify. And that's pretty much it for today. I'll see you all next time. Sweet. That's it. Awesome, man.